Okay, so we're going to be reading from um, John 8, uh, verses 39 through 48. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I am from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry your master's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe in me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Then the Jews responded to him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? Thank you, Tara. pray. Father, thank you for your word and uh, the joy it is to gather uh, as your children. Father, would you help us this morning as we consider uh, these words specifically and how we might um, not just learn more information about you, but really get closer to you experience more of you in a way that we might, might leave this place this morning with more of your heart, a deeper revelation of who you are and your vision for our lives. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Tara. I'm just going to move this a little bit. Um, by the way, Tara was actually reading from the uh, ESV version, and what you saw up there was NIV. I wanted to sort of highlight um, the different translation this morning, because I think some of the, the specific wording's quite um, important, and uh, I'm going to sort of reference some of that as we go this morning, but um, hmm, this is a, uh, this is quite, quite a passage, is it not? Um, ripped out of context, uh, these words could be, um, yeah, they could be problematic. There's a lot, lot you could do with this, a lot of directions you could go. Um, as always, it's quite important that we, like, okay, let's, let's zoom out a little bit before we, get, um, before we get too much into the details. So let's start there. The context. This particular passage, this little chunk, 
that we've just looked at, we've read this morning, um, is actually part of, of a long conversation. It's really more of an argument. Uh, Jesus has now had like a whole series of confrontational moments uh, with his, his fellow Jews, um, but specifically like, like experts of the law, religious teachers, the quote unquote Pharisees, the scribes, the experts of the law. And, uh, they're very, very concerned that Jesus is, is making certain claims about himself um, the way he's talking about his own identity in so far as how he relates to his father, God. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't given away everything about who he is and what he's come to do. He certainly said some very explicit things, um, enough to upset um, some of the people he's talking to, but he's still a bit of a mystery. There's still a lot of uh, speculation, dispute as to who this man really is. And some people are, are on board. Some people would say, no, he's a good man. Some people would say, no, I think, I think perhaps he might be the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for, who's to come and deliver us. And others are like, no, no, no. This man's from Galilee. We know that there's, there's never been or ever will be a prophet, much less the Messiah, coming from that place. Um, I think this guy's demon-possessed. Um, at, at the worst, at very least, just a proper heretic. And so the people that he's talking to now, they're beginning to conspire to kill him. Um, and Jesus is very much aware of this. So this little bit that we've just read is actually the tail end of, of, a, of a dispute that actually began back in chapter seven. They've been going back and forth and back and forth and, and, uh, and so it might feel a little heavy. Like this is intense, like what are they saying? Um, some of the things that Jesus is saying to these people, your father is the devil, I mean that's, that's extreme. What is he saying? Um, this reminds me, and I think, I think we can all relate with this. Have you ever had uh, a conversation, or God forbid, uh, a proper argument, where you're going on and on and on, the argument's uh, gone on for so long that at some point along the way, you forget what you were arguing about, but you're definitely arguing about something. Um, and it's, it's like gone from bad to worse, and you're extremely frustrated, and, 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 but you have to almost at some point pause and try to figure out, like, what are we fighting about again? Oh, that's right, you didn't do the dishes again. But it's easy to get so far into it and go off on so many tangents that you can forget, like, what is this even about? Like, what are we actually arguing about? And then, of course, you realize that it may have started with the dishes, but what we're really fighting about, oh, it's something much more personal, it's something much deeper, something that started perhaps um, long before a couple of dirty dishes left in the sink. Again, are you guys feeling me? Have you had this argument? Yeah, of course. If you've ever had roommates, or if you've ever been married, if you've been alive for a little while, this is, this is what we do. And uh, at least in a way, this, this, is what, this is what we're stepping into. It's a long argument. It's kind of gone off on all these different tangents and it may have started about one thing, but it's definitely developed into something 
else. So, what are they arguing about? As I just said, or at least alluded to, it's definitely something to do with the identity of Jesus. Now, we just simply have to back up a couple of pages, and you might want to do that at some point. You can actually sort of figure out, well, where, when did this, this discourse start? And what really kicked it off? And it essentially had to do with who Jesus was claiming to be. It was a big dispute over his identity. So it's certainly something to do with that, and that will come up over and over again. Who is Jesus? Who are you really claiming to be? And what right do you have? On whose authority do you claim to be who you claim to be? So that's definitely part of it. Um, it's also about truth, though. There's, that word truth is, comes up a couple of times just in this little tail end of the, the discourse that we've looked at this morning. Um, in verse 40, for example, he says, now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Mm-hmm. What is the truth he's referring to? Um, Jesus, he says a lot of things. 26 different times throughout the book of John, Jesus says something like, depending upon your translation, he'll say, truly, truly, I say to you. Or the NIV translation says, truly, I say to you. And it's, just, it's almost like a, it's like a marker. Like I'm about to drop truth on you, so get out your journals, write it down. So he says this 26 different times throughout the gospel. Uh, for example, in John chapter three, he says, a truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. This is in a, a nighttime meeting he has with one of these uh, opponents that he's sort of disputing with named Nicodemus. In that same conversation, again in John chapter three, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the spirit or of water and the spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. In John chapter five, uh, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me will inherit or has eternal life. They will not pass into judgment, but be delivered from death. So things like that, he's been saying true things. In this particular passage, he he says it again. In fact, verse 34, if we're trying to maybe figure out what is the, the last sort of truth reference that they could be debating about or Jesus himself is referring to, well, we'll back up a couple of verses. And he says in verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. This is his 13th truth statement. And I'll go on to say 13 things more. So they're definitely arguing about truth. But there's another layer. There's absolutely another layer. 
What is this really about? Verse 40. Jesus says, now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Verse 41, yet you are doing the works your father did. Now, I wanna make a little connection for us. He says, you're seeking to kill a man who's told you the truth, but this isn't really about the truth. This has something more to do with your relationship with your father. Now he's taking something related to truth that could be simply put in like a cognitive category and making it more relational. The problem isn't just that you don't have the truth because I just told you the truth and you want to kill me. So you have the truth, so that's not really the issue. The issue is something to do with your father. And of course he goes on to say explicitly, your father is the devil. Your father is a murderer. Your father is a liar. And there's something about your relationship to your father that's actually at the root of your desire to want to kill me. The scriptures say elsewhere that the result or the wages of sin results in death. There's something about um, when we do sinful things, I'm not gonna go into like how we define sin at this point, but when we do sin, let me, let me put it this way. When we're living our lives and doing things that are utterly self-centered, something about those desires and those behaviors lead to death. Relational death, spiritual death, family death, physical death, eternal death. And Jesus is saying, I want to help you understand that the problem is that you don't have the true things. You're not thinking true thoughts per se, it's more of a relational issue. Not do you know true things, but are you aware of, or do you know the one who tells you true things? Who is your father? Now, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, it's all slightly convoluted. I mean, this is Jesus, I wouldn't say he's being cryptic, but he's, it's like he's having his own conversation. They're wanting to debate with him about who he is and in whether or not he has the authority to say these things, and Jesus keeps bringing the conversation back to who do you know? Who, how do you relate to God? And you say you're sons of Abraham, the father of faith, the patriarch, the one through whom eventually the law would come, Abraham and Moses and the prophets, and yet you're not acting as if Abraham truly is your father. You're certainly not acting like God is your father because you want to kill me. There's something misaligned and Jesus is helping us sort of shift our understanding away from just re wrestling with or arguing about true things to the true one. Who is your father? Who is your father? What is this really all about? Verse 46 
Which one of you convicts me of sin? This is kind of where the discourse ends. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I'll tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? Or rather, if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? It's rhetorical. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is because you do not belong to God. Jesus is saying these true things, truth that's meant to set people free, free from bondage, free from from the the sort of uh, mindset or the heart state that would eventually lead to death. And he's like, I'm wanting to, Jesus is the Messiah who's come to deliver his people, but not just from political bondage, like from the inside out. And what he's helping his opponents realize, what he's helping us to realize that the problem isn't merely um, an ideological one, it's a relational one. Who's your father? Do you belong to God? That's what this is really all about. (laughs) Which one of you convicts me of sin? It's not really about sin, is it? Because I've not sinned. There's nothing that you can put your finger on. Jesus is saying this, it's, this isn't actually about sin. This isn't really about my behavior. This is about belonging. I've told you the truth. You don't wanna hear it. It enrages you, in fact, you wanna kill me. Because the real problem isn't true information, the real problem isn't even necessarily behavior. If we get right down to the root of it all, if we just keep peeling back the layers and try to figure what are we arguing about, what is this really all about, what are you so upset for? We're not illegitimate children, who are you? They want to crucify the man, what's what's really going on? Let's peel back the layers, you know what it is? You don't belong to your father who's in heaven. That's what this is really all about. I think it was then, I think it is now. Unless you are born again, you'll never, uh, you'll never see what God wants you to see. Unless you are born of, of water, like physical birth and the spirit, you'll never experience, you'll never enter in to the kingdom of God. You'll never know what it feels like to be a beloved child of God. And you'll go through life wondering, just like all the rest of us, do I belong? Am I loved? Am I secure? Or do I walk into a room like this and begin to wonder, do I belong here? Have you ever, um, let me ask it this way, have you ever felt the lie of illegitimacy? That was their retort. Um, I think the ESV, uh, I, I don't like the translation quite as much normally. I. I read from the ESV because it's a very literal translation. I, I think I like the nuance of the NIV in this particular case. We're, we weren't born out of sexual immorality. 
We have different categories, uh, I think, that, that don't quite capture what they're talking about. So the NIV translates it as, we're not illegitimate children. And Jesus is putting his finger right on the issue. The problem is, the reason you want to kill me, the reason why you reject the truth is because you are illegitimate. The whole world is living under the weight of illegitimacy and I've come here to set you free. I've come to invite you home. I've come to make a way for you to be adopted into the family of God that you might know to the very core of your being and every fiber of who you are, you belong. You belong and there's nothing in heaven or on earth that can ever separate you from the love of your father in Jesus Christ because he's conquered death, because he's gone to the cross. We haven't gotten to that part yet. We'll get there. Just keep walking with Jesus. Walk with Jesus long enough. You know where you'll, you'll end up every time? First, first Gethsemane, where you'll have to make a decision then the cross, where you'll have to die to yourself, then the tomb, where hope becomes a reality. This is the journey of walking with Jesus over and over and over again. It's wonderful. Oh, what a ride. Oh, what a ride. Do you belong? The voice of illegitimacy. When you walk into a room like this, Sometimes it's almost like it can be audible depending upon what's been going on in your life. You walk into a room like this, you don't belong. That's the voice of illegitimacy. You're not welcome here. If anyone were to know what you got up to this week, then you definitely wouldn't belong so you better keep it together. You better keep up appearances. If anyone finds out, I remember, um, I'll keep this very, very general, but um, a friend of mine, this was a few years ago, we were walking down the street. Um, this is a gay man, and uh, I invited him to come over, to come hang out with me. I said, Dude, come, come, come over to my house, let's hang out. Play with my kids, it'll be a riot. And he looked at me, like, like there was something wrong. And I was like, what's, what's going on? I was, no, come over. He was like, what, you mean you, you're gonna let me in your house with your kids? That, that voice of illegitimacy was so strong. He says, no, because of who you are and what you think I think about you, you don't belong in my house, certainly not around my kids. And it broke my heart. I was like, you get in my house right now. We're going to play with my kids. We might even wrestle. When we've been adopted into the family of God, God begins to break down that lie of illegitimacy. The world will not relent. Everywhere you go, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't sound a certain way, you don't have a certain color skin, if you don't smell a certain way, if, if whatever, on and on and on and on and on, the world is broken up into tribal categories and if you don't fit a particular something, then you don't belong. 
oh, of course people are nice, we're all polite, and well, oh, come in, come in, come in. But you can feel it, you know it, deep down in your bones, you don't belong. And then God comes along and he says, no, you belong. Because I've made a way for you to belong. We're not gonna pretend like there's not real things that cause you to be ashamed. Real issues, brokenness, sin even that you've committed or that's being committed against you that, that cause you in very real ways, palpable ways to feel like you don't belong. And God doesn't just pretend like none of that's not a reality and so Jesus comes down and he takes all of that shame onto himself and he becomes sin for us and he goes into the grave and he buries it in the ground. And then he rises again, he overcomes sin and death and he says, now you belong. I tore down the dividing wall. Come home. And occasionally one of us will wake up, I think, I'm, I think I've come to my senses today, I'm gonna come home. And the voice of illegitimacy, well okay, you can come home. But when you get there, you're gonna have to like work that debt off, you know. You're gonna have to prove that you're allowed in the house. And the father charges at the once illegitimate son or daughter and says, welcome home, welcome home. Get in here. Puts his robe around us, puts the family ring back on our finger, gives us clean sandals, because man, ours are just tore up from walking around in the world. He says, get in here, you're home, you're home. You belong. You know, when we start to grow in that, that identity that God gives us as sons and daughters, children of God, it arms us to love people in a broken world. If we don't know that we're loved, uh, then we're insecure. And if we're insecure, then we have to defend ourselves all the time. It's exhausting. We end up hurting ourselves and the people around us. We have no choice but to find our tribe. Find a place that will accept us. And then you better work your butt off to adhere to the code. Otherwise you'll find yourself rejected. You have to go belong someplace else all over again. Not so in the family of God. And when you know you belong in God's family, life is still hard. It could still sting to be rejected. But the love of our Father transcends rejection in this world. You belong. It doesn't matter what anyone else says, you belong. And as a church community, I feel like we have an opportunity, particularly in this season, to combat the spirit of illegitimacy. And when people walk into this place, we can think of ways that say, you belong here. You belong. You're welcome. Oh, I know you think you don't belong. Um, but that's just the voice of your lying, murdering father. Can I introduce you to your real father? The one who loves you with an insane love, like an unfathomable love, who paid an unfathomable price for you to come home. And as a community, we get to like enact that 
We get to be the hands and feet and the mouth of Jesus that says to people who walk in here and think, I don't belong here, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm just, I'm, I'm anticipating rejection at just any second now. And we get to be like the father who embraces, oh, about to, sorry, who embraces the lost son or daughter and says, welcome home, get in here. Of course, people will try to withdraw and sabotage because that's what we all do. We reject ourselves so that others can't reject us. Come here, get in here, get in here. You're not going anywhere, dang it. You're gonna learn to be loved. Learn to be loved, just like the rest of us. Sometimes means we've got to chase each other lovingly, not like a cult, like. <laughs> cult, somebody, come on, let's be a cult, it's fun. It's not, trust me. You are welcome here, and I want to say that. I feel like there might be a few of you in here, even this morning, you walk, in, you walk into places all the time, and it's like, no one's saying it to your face, but you can feel it. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. And so you end up getting really defensive. You end up arguing with people about truth. Truth is super important. You know, once we get home, this is the crazy thing, so you start following Jesus, and eventually you end up in the garden, in the garden, Jesus teaches us how to say, not my will, but Father, let your will be done. He, learned, he teaches us how to submit these different aspects of our lives that we actually have clung to as a way of defending ourselves because we're insecure. And we go to the garden and Jesus says, now I wanna teach you This is how you submit to the will of our Father. This is how we trust him. This is how we we become vulnerable. And so there's this, uh, I mean, talk about a wild ride. Father invites us in. He begins to pour his love into our hearts. And then he teaches us how to change. He begins to transform us. And we submit every aspect of our lives every aspect of our lives we bring before our Father when he says, not my will, but yours be done. I belong to you. I belong to you. You get to define me. Teach me how to be loved. Talk about a wild ride. So the question of truth needs to be reframed from mere information to truth in the context of relationship. Not do you just know true things, but do you belong to the one from who truth comes? That's where it begins. Otherwise, we'll just simply reject the truth. The truth will make us angry, or we'll weaponize the truth. We'll use it to hurt others. But when we belong, when we've been born again, when we surrender and say, okay, Jesus, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to be defensive anymore. I don't want to walk around under the weight of illegitimacy anymore. Help, Lord Jesus, help. I want to come home. And Jesus says, right, I died for you. 
Now get in here. And we come home. And we come home. Let me read this to you. Can I invite the worship team to join me up front, please? Romans chapter eight, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. This is another another way of describing uh, what Jesus was talking about when he said you must be born again. You know, if you keep, let me just back up because this is so fascinating to me. If you keep, back in John chapter eight, if you keep reading that passage, because we didn't quite get to the end, if you keep reading, the Jesus' opponents, they have a little meeting and they're like, right, this, it's enough's enough. This guy's gotta go. Nicodemus, he's among the teachers. And he's the one that says, hang on a second. Um, doesn't our own law say that we mustn't pass judgment uh, until we have a hearing? Like he's, he's starting to get it. Nicodemus is like, wait, hang on a second. Just hold up. I think, I think Jesus may be trying to lead us someplace that we, we've not, we have no, no paradigm for. Let's listen a little bit longer. Maybe, maybe he's right and we're wrong. Maybe, maybe we've had it twisted this whole time. And maybe there's a few of you here this morning who are like, I've been hearing this stuff my whole life, but maybe you've had it twisted this whole time. Can you, I mean, talk about a humbling realization. What if this whole time you've had it, you've been making it about one thing and Jesus is like, well, it's kind of about that, but we've got to peel back some layers because what it's really about is your father wants you to come home. So the truth is no longer just something we fight about. It's a matter of like, do you belong? Have you been loved? Do you know what it feels like to cry out, Abba, Father, I'm home. I'm secure, I'm loved, I do belong. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He would not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things, everything we need to be beloved sons and daughters? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, sword, the rejection of people? No. Nope. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Jesus, you belong. You belong. I don't care what anyone says, you belong. You're loved. You're welcome. Can we stand together, please? You know, I say these things with such deep conviction because I know. I, I, can, I can hear the words like it was yesterday. You walk into a place, you don't belong here. Look at you, you awkward freak. I know those words. Oh, I know them so well. I was always the kid who got picked very last because I can't run right and I have a weird foot and I'm, I'm like, I'm that kid. Like I know what it feels like to not belong, to not be wanted, to not get picked. And I reckon I am so not special. You belong, you belong. You belong because our Heavenly Father made a way for you to belong. And he invites us to turn to Jesus again. Trust the one who made a way, who was rejected for us, that we, we might come home, that we might be welcomed into our Father's house and never, ever be separated from his love. So there you go. We're gonna take communion now. And uh, if you've never done this before, let me quickly explain. Uh, there's plates on either side of the room here. Um, we've got a little gluten-free plate on this side to my left, your right. The bread and the juice represent Jesus's body and blood. Uh, he laid his life down as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can experience our Father's love. It's not just an idea, it's something that he did for us so that we can come home. Not with a heavy debt to work off, but to freely receive our Father's love, okay? So this is what he did. It cost him his body and blood. When we take the bread and dip it in the juice and ingest it, it's like this very real, holistic way, not just to sit and think about it, but literally take it, put it in our mouth and say, yes, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. I repent, I'm turning to you again today and say, Lord Jesus, yes, I need you. Thank you for laying your life down for me. And this is what Christians do, not just once, but it's, because it's our lifestyle. It's why we do it most weeks. Now. If you say, oh, that's, that's pretty awesome, and, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that, but then there's no pressure for you. You mustn't feel like you have to do that. Or maybe you say, I think I do want to do that, maybe even for the first time. Or maybe you've done it a thousand times, but today might be a little different than I invite you. Turn to Jesus and receive what he's done for us, and then bask and the Father's love, whenever you're ready.
So as Simon was just sharing the word, I felt really distinctly God um, just putting an impression on my heart that, you know, there may be many of us in this room who when we hear this message, we're like, oh, sweet, I feel like I belong. Well, this is how this message is for you. You belong, so you need to reach out to those who may feel like they don't belong. Because Jesus, He belonged. He was in heaven having sweet fellowship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, but He didn't stay there. He left that close communion to come down and rescue us. And so the challenge to me today is, okay, sweet, so, so you belong. You belong in God's family. I get to share that. I get to take that security and maybe reach out to somebody else who may feel like they don't belong. So Father, I wanna, I wanna ask that you help us not to just reach that point of, okay, I finally can accept. I'm part of God's family. And then we can just turn around and right away just offer that security and that love to somebody else to reach out and to share that love, to invite that person into your house, into your life. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you didn't stay in your comfort. You didn't stay <laughs> in that easy place, but you left and you rescued us. Thank you, Lord. Can we put those words back up, please? Just those last words. Heavenly Father, that's our prayer. Would you give us eyes that are open wide, um, a spirit of revelation to see who you truly are. What a, what a wonderful, slightly terrifying notion to behold this awesome God incredible loving father and fill us with your heart fill us with all the fullness of who you are that we might be deeply secure hearts overflowing with your love a love that would compel us lead us to those around us as surely shared lord give us more of your heart father for for people who who maybe we don't want them to belong. Maybe we just more, are more comfortable being nice, but maybe not, maybe just being elsewhere. Lord, give us more of your heart for broken brothers and sisters, people just like us, humans, sinners, lost sons and daughters, people that you love. Give us more of your heart. Father, would you help us to be a community, a little part of your family that can, 
we're not just giving people a message, we're, we're inviting people into your family. We're not just purveyors of spiritual information. We, we are those, we are your ambassadors, our kids on, your kids on mission, going to invite lost sons and daughters home. Lord, would you help us? Help us to embody that as a community, whether it's on Sunday or Monday or some other day in some other setting, Lord, help us. And one more thing, Lord Jesus, would you, would you renew our hope? Because I'm aware that these are maybe slightly inspiring words, but my goodness, this is just hard. And I pray that you would renew our sense of hope because you're not done. You're not done with us. You're not done with our city. You're not done with our families. I pray where, the, where maybe we once had lost hope, Lord, you would renew our hope. Renew a steadfast spirit within us, Lord, that we would begin to believe. Now, maybe you can make dead things live again. Maybe you can do it with me. Maybe you can do it with our city. We would leave here with a great sense of expectation and hope, Lord, that you're not done. And all God's people said, amen.